Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Allen. I am J.D. Mosier. Did you say J.D.? I said J.P. Did you? All right. I am J.P. Mosier. <laughs> and we're here to celebrate. This is J.P. Mosier. <laughs> Joseph Preston Mosier Jelton on the mic. Peavis Mosier. We're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern <laughs> music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JD, how you doing today, man? <laughs> man, I am doing fantastic, Rob. Okay, so the song we're covering today was made popular in two films. Could have gone with Rad, the bicycle movie with Lori Laughlin. Probably the more popular of the two. I don't know, maybe it's arguable. But the one we chose to cover is arguably the greatest video game movie ever made. At least in my mind. Wow, I can't yeah. think of a better one. I mean, From the 1989 movie, The Wizard, starring Fred Savage, Jenny Lewis, and Christian Slater. little Bo Bridges action thrown in. Um, we can talk about what song we're talking about, but I definitely want to go a video game Nintendo episode heavy on this. Okay. Um, but Rob, tell me about what song we're talking about, and then I'm going to pitch an idea for you. All right. This is Send Me an Angel by Real Life from the movie The Wizard. Guys, that's a great cutoff there. Nice job. Um, and make sure you hang around to the end because we're hanging out with David Sterry, lead singer of Real Life. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. And I'm going to pitch this idea to Rob. Between sections, I want us to pause and go play a regular Nintendo game. So <laughs> I have in my house a video game system that has every regular Nintendo game. Yeah. So we're going to table. It's amazing. He's underselling it. It's a huge, it's a custom cabinet <laughs> with literally every like, it's every regular game Nintendo, every Super speakers. Nintendo, every Sega Genesis, yeah. PlayStation, it's and Capital 2. But anyway, so we're going to pause for 30 seconds and come back and tell you what game we played and wow. how we did. Here okay, we go. Let's, let's go it. pick one. 
All right. Well, we're back. Uh, that was exciting. Me and Rob chose Jordan versus Bird, three-point shootout. Yeah. And Rob put the hurting on me. I did. As Larry Legend, shooting up those, draining those trays. 12 to 7. 12 to 7. Wasn't even uh, a ball game. Bird defeats Bird. Bird against Bird, because only That's Bird right. plays Bird. That's and right. Bird. Um, so, yeah. Bird is the word. Bring us back in. Okay, so send me an angel. The version we actually listened to, this song has been released twice and lived two very full lives and been a hit both times. It was released originally in 1983 by the band Real Life on their album Heartland. Uh, It went to number 29 on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S. and number 22 on the U.S. Cashbox Top 100. Number 18 in Canada. It went number one in New Zealand and West Germany. Number two in... Um, somewhere else. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be Switzerland. I think I just wrote New Zealand again, but I think it's Switzerland. And number six in Australia. The 1989 version, which is the version that we listened to and the version that is in The Wizard, uh, went to number 26 on the Hot 100. So actually charted a little higher in the U.S., number 20 on the cash box, number three on the Billboard Hot Dance charts, and number five on the Billboard Club Play charts. So a legit hit both times. Same song, just a different mix, a little more, um, uh, maybe a little more aggressive in the 1989 version. I guess, should we play the 83 version? Play them. Let's do this. This, by the way, is not to be confused with Calling All Angels, <laughs> uh, How Do You Talk <laughs> to an Angel, Angel by Aerosmith. Shaggy Angel. <laughs> That's Here's the original. They're both cool. Do you believe in heaven above? Do you believe in love? Just a little different mix. Let me get it further into it. It's hard to be lucky in love. I'll tell you one thing that really stands out in this version. We'll hear it here. The sound. That that clap sound on the previous version is really clappy. It's almost too much. It's really hot in the mix. Yeah, it reminds me of the um the like uh, um I don't can't remember what it's called even from my percussion days in high school. But there's this big piece of two pieces of wood on a on a um swivel kind of thing on a what do you call it oh, i remember that and you hit those and together. you hit them together and it makes just the biggest most obnoxious yeah. sound and they always use it at christmas time when they're singing um there's a birthday party at the no. home of fire no. very great right see i ready. would have picked pass around the coffee and the pump yes i just couldn't think of whatever the right. whatever the lyric was but on sleigh ride yeah right um, and it's but it's what all the percussion kids wanted to yeah. play. Like, give me the freaking wood blocks <laughs> because they, they, it was literally just like just hit it as hard as you want, dude. That's right. That's and great. so that was always <laughs> big fun in the Christmas uh, thing. But uh, the in the '89 version, that is a different sound. It's like a synth, synthy sound, and it's a little more, bit more back in the mix, and it's a little easier to stomach. I that one, I was like, that's too much. I don't. <laughs> it's big in there. I'll tell you something else about this song. Uh, you could easily, well, let me, okay, let me get back in the verse here and I'll go to the, uh, I'll go back to the 89 version. Okay, here we go. You could easily mistake the first verse of this for a Michael W. Smith song. (laughs) Right? Yeah. 
Especially the pre-chorus melody, I feel like. (laughs) This right... Oh, that's the. That's I'm the sorry. Second part that's of the, the radio yeah. edit. So it's it's structured a little a little differently. Um, you girl, you <laughs> don't have to be picture perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I tell you something else that jumped out to me uh, on this is there's a melody thing here where he jumps an octave plus a minor third okay. for absolutely no reason. Okay. Not necessary at all. Uh-huh. It's like, why did you do that? That's hard. And it's not even a high thing. It's from low to mid-range. To middle. Okay. okay. So let's, let's listen real close here. Open fire on my burning heart. Right. On my burn, on my burning heart. That's an octave and a, and a flat third. When it's like, uh, why? You know, like, not necessary at all. He didn't need to do the on my, that low. Yeah. He Open fire on my burning heart. He could just yeah. kept that same yeah. note. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. but So, open fire, drop an octave on my burning heart. It's a really yeah, interesting cool. choice to make. It's something I would have never done. It's cool. Yeah. But when I heard it, I was like, whoa, why do you do that? You know? <laughs> That's good. Good ear. Very interesting. Um, I got some stuff on the movie real quick. Okay. Let's yeah. take, take a quick break and talk about the movie. The Wizard. The Wizard. Oh, well, since I said take a break, do you want to play another game? Sure. Let's, let's go play do something it. real quick. All right. So we're back. We played a game that neither of us had played against each other yeah. uh, because we're trying to do head to head games. We played Karate Kid, and uh, I got the fortunate chance to be Daniel San, and I win. I win. <laughs> I won uh, with a kick to the jejunum or whatever. I don't know. It was a, anyway, so I, I won that one. So I we're lost. even one to one. I lost. I was mid air, and you kicked That's me. Right. Kicked me right in the crotch. Yeah. So and, it was. Uh, uh, I crane kicked, but not really the crane kick. Yeah. That's right. Get him a body bag. <laughs> Another movie reference. Okay. So the movie. I watched it last night just to get ready for this. It's been a while since I've seen it, but basic. Uh, premise: Little kid Jimmy Woods. He suffers from some from some PTSD after his twin sister drowns. Troubled child runs away to keep up with his uh, runs away with his half brother, who's played by Fred Savage. They go to Reno. Um, they enter this video game contest. So many facts about how they find out he's good at these video games. But whatever, watch the movie and you can figure that out. Toby Maguire, Rob mentioned in there, has got this. Un- he's an uncredited extra. He's got this awful little kid mullet, and he just stands there. It's it's hilarious. Um, so Jimmy makes it to the finals. They unveil a new game, which happens to be Mario Three. Yeah. And somehow Fred Savage's character Corey and Jenny Lewis, the character Haley, they know about warp zones and how the game works and everything, <laughs> even though it's a brand new game. They're like, find the warp zone, use the whistle, and it's this brand new game. So the concept, it's basically an ad for Nintendo. Essentially, yeah. The whole movie is for basically, Universal Studios yeah, and Nintendo. For Universal Studios and Nintendo, yeah, they go to to the king kong thing and everything yeah. nintendo power they talk about it in there mm-hmm. and the power glove the power dude, glove. the power glove now this song is sandwiched between you got it the right stuff by new kids on the block yep and hanging tough by new kids on the block yep two of rob's uh favorites i gotta say i'm an unabashed old school new kids on the block fan <laughs> uh and i don't mind i was gonna point out actually some of the other music on this yes, from this movie do. because the soundtrack is so varied yeah um it goes from new kids on the block to real life to martha and the vandellas 
to Paul Carrick. Yeah. Paul Carrick is on there. Former guest of the Great Song Podcast. That's right. Friend of the show. Bobby Brown, Paul Anka. Yeah. Uh, and then... Patsy Klein and the Bodines. <laughs> so the girl on there that does the last song, can you have the soundtrack pulled Is up it there? Sally Dworsky? I found yeah, 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 yeah. So that girl ended up being the voice of Nala in The Lion King. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, in the original. She's the adult voice of Nala in The Lion oh, King. Oh, okay. The, okay. The adult Nala. Wow. And she did some, did some now, other things. I need to be clear about what you just said. He's not talking about the adult version of the Lion King. No, no, no. Don't no. go looking for the adult version of the Lion King. No, 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 no. I don't even know that that's out there, but I'm 100% sure it is. You know what I mean? Don't. That's not what we're discussing here. You don't okay. want to see Scar in you don't that. Want you to see, and you don't want to hear the music from it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So anyway, great, great movie. I love the movie. It's it got a twenty nine on Rotten Tomatoes. It's actually not that great, I guess, if you're going to be critical. But I love it. I made my wife watch it with me last night, and she uh, she suffered through it. But she's like, <laughs> it's one of those. If you grew up it's in the eighties, exactly, it's a cult movie. If you grew up in the eighties and you played video games in the eighties, like I remember where I watched this movie for the first time. Okay, like that's it's so it's uh it's heart fills for me. It's heartstrings and it uh, and and I remembered how cool. I thought the song was when they got on the back of the guys on the motorcycles, which is where this song plays, and it's right before Fred Savage character is drinking this green canteen (laughs) that I had the exact same green canteen, Uh, and I was like, dude, this is so cool. I'm that guy. Yeah, Reno or Bust, I'm him. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, anyway. So, uh, let me throw a few facts from the movie um, about this that may bring it into some further context. Okay, first of all, here's a little bit of backstory on how the movie, how and why the movie got made, okay? And this this kind of blew my mind. Um, during 1988, a shortage of ROM chips, um, that's like computer chips, mm-hmm. microchips, uh, and the preparation of a version of Super Mario's two, Super Mario Brothers 2 for the West, delayed several of Nintendo's game releases in North America. This is uh, Wikipedia, by the way. The delayed products included Super Mario Brothers 3, and Zelda II The Adventure of Link. The delay presented Nintendo with an opportunity to promote the game in a feature film. In 1989, Tom Pollock of Universal Studios approached Nintendo of America's marketing department about a video game film. Inspired by uh, Nintendo video game competitions, Pollock envisioned, here's, here it is, a video game version of Tommy for younger audiences. Okay. This is the video game version yeah. of the Who's, the Who's Tommy, Tommy. Yeah. which is about pinball yeah. and came out pinball in Pinball Wizard. This is the Pinball Wizard of uh yes. of the he's, Wizard. He's yeah. the Wizard. Oh, Pinball. Yeah, yes. he's the I mean, wizard. Good, so that makes the whole thing the, make yeah. more sense as to okay. why did, what is this, right? And then I read another thing literally that said the original pitch for the movie. Now, I don't know if this is true. This is from like IMDb. So I don't know if this is like something somebody just submitted as an anecdotal thing yeah. or if this is true. But it basically said the original pitch for the movie was the Karate Kid, but with video games. Okay. You yeah, know, yeah. it's competition. It's yeah. the whole thing. Okay. So more stuff uh, from The Wizard. When Lucas plays Rad Racer, the character Lucas plays Rad Racer with his power glove, he presses five keys that each play a different musical note. Can you sing it off the top of your head? Heck no. Okay. All right. The five sequential tones is the famous five-tone musical phrase in a major scale that the aliens in Close Encounters of the Third Kind used to communicate with the Earthlings and vice versa. Um, 
Let's see. Okay, the truck that Spanky is oh, driving. Oh, dude, I love this fact. Okay. It's from Over the Top. Yes. It's the same truck. I noticed it, and I was like, holy cow, that's the same truck from Over the Top, another one of my favorite movies, which I've talked with Rob about. We have to cover something from that movie. And it still has Hawk written on yeah, the door. on of the, the side of it. Yeah. If you, you can barely see it when he gets out to fight the, the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. During the uh, Video Armageddon finals, the competition finals. The last game used is Super Mario Brothers 3, and it was actually meant to be revealed in the film before the game was released. The, um, the, I mean, it, it, it was revealed in the film before the game was released. The movie showed the first glimpses of the game, and some people claim that it was, uh, you know, influential in the game's success. I say that game was awesome. Yeah. And I still remember the first time I saw the commercial for it. Yeah. And how hype I got. It was Absolutely. a kid stands one kid chanting Mario, uh-huh. Mario, Mario. And it backs up more and more kids, yeah. Mario. Yeah, yeah. And it's the whole world and it's got a Mario face on it. And I want to play it. Yeah. Um, that's the first game I ever beat. Okay. That was the very first mm, one that I ever oh, beat. I don't know. I beat it at my I beat the game at my friend Steven Bridges' house. We stayed up all night. <laughs> Asterisk doesn't count because he had a game genie. Oh, so that's kind of, for those of you that don't know what a game genie is. You could have like unlimited lives. Yeah, and so that was the the code that we picked. And, wow, and I stayed up. We stayed up all night, and I beat Mario three. Dang. And that was the first game I ever beat. You're and never it, getting in the Hall of Fame. I know, right? You're Asterisk. That's my steroid. Dang. Okay. Let's see. Uh, how about? I do have a list. Oh, love uh, it. From Nintendo Life. Okay. The 10 greatest games ranked by Nintendo Life of the just the greatest NES games. Okay, of the, so, from that system. From that system. Okay. So this is from the original Nintendo, okay. the original NES. This is not my opinion. This is not this is voted on by this the editors scientific of, of Nintendo Life and their poll. Okay. Number 10, Ninja Gaiden 2. Mm, great game. Okay. Number 9, Punch-Out, which there's two versions. Ooh. It's either Mike Tyson or yeah. the or, other guy. Uh, Sandman? No, it was, I forget what it was, Mr. Wonderful or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. I'm making that up. But. Right. So Punch-Out, either version. Okay. Uh, number 8, Mega Man 3. Okay, fantastic game. Number 7, DuckTales. Okay, oh, yeah. Number 6, DuckTales 2. Wow, never so played So two DuckTales I don't even think I knew there was one. Number five, Super Tecmo Bowl, okay. probably my favorite. Number four, Legend of Zelda. Uh-huh. Number three, Contra with yeah. the original Konami code. You remember yes. it? Up, up, up down, 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 left, left right, left, right. B A start. start. Oh, select. Start. I think it's just start. I don't think it's yeah. select start, but yeah. Anyway, the Konami code. You could get thirty extra lives. Yeah. So that was the the thing there. Um, number two, Mega Man Two. And number wow. one, Super, Super Mario, Mario Bros. 3. 3 is the greatest game. Wow, Mega Man 2, the Mega second Man greatest 2, game. The second greatest game. That was the first uh, Mega Man game that I had. I had two and three. Um, and then I had I had several of those on the list. Punch Out for me. Oh, that's my favorite. Would probably be, Super Mario 3 would probably be number one for me. Okay. Just because of everything that it was wrapped up in one sure. thing. But then I think Punch Out would be a close number two. For yeah, me. I go Mike Tyson's Punch Out number one, Super Tech Mobile number two. That's my one okay. two. Like, I, I don't think I ever played Tech Mobile. Do you want to? Crazy. Yeah. Let's pause. Here we go. <laughs> Round three. We'll come back and meet the band or something. So let's just say what happened here. I was like, this is my second favorite game ever. And then Rob won play. We played uh, basically sudden death rules, kind of the yeah. uh, overtime rules First in score. college. And Rob goes freaking Montana to Rice for one play, <laughs> one shot, one kill. So uh, for the sake of time, it, it like worked out 85 great. 85 yards. 
<laughs> one play, one shot, one kill. So Rob's played one play of offense in Tech Mobile and has beat me. Um, so there you go. So anyway, great game. Um, where were we going? We're going to meet the band next? Yeah. Let's man. play the jingle. Let's meet the band. All right. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey. All right, we're going to meet the band that played on this track. Um, on keys and violin, Richard Zatorsky um, did music for the movie The Hooker Girl and the Heart of the Hooker with a Heart of Gold. Okay, all that's right. the only thing I could find by him other than other real than life real stuff. Life. So okay. uh, I don't want to tell you to go pick up The Hooker with a Heart of Gold, <laughs> but he did that. Um, on bass and no shoes in this. If you're watching the video, no <laughs> shoes on this guy. Alan Johnson, uh, he was also in a band called, I'm going to call it Exciter. It may, it may be Exeter, but it's spelled E-X-C-I-T-E-R. It should be Exciter. Is that Exciter? Yeah, I'm yeah, going to go yeah. with Exciter on that. Um, he plays an Ibanez SR505 and a Dean ML Metal Man bass. Love it. I have, a five, I have an SR505. I oh, love there it. There you go. Well, boom. There you go. Um, Andre, and he's got some cool bass slides in there, really prominent in the song. Yeah. I like it. Um, on drums, Danny Simic. Um, in a, he's now playing with a, a gentleman known as Dave Evans, who y'all may know as the original lead singer of ACDC. So before Bon Scott was a guy named Dave Evans. He's in a band now called Dave Evans and the Thunder Down Under. So he is now the drummer for them. Interesting. So that's an interesting segue from there. So that's the band. And then David Sterry on lead vocals and lead guitar, which we will talk to at the end. So make sure you hang around for that. That's right. Uh, let's go a little bit more on real life. They are an Australian uh, new wave synth pop band originally called The Wires, which I think is a cool name, actually. I, I like that a lot. I do, too. Um, I'm surprised that nobody has sort of successfully broken through with that name. It just seems like a name that there would have been a band that you know called The Wires. Yeah. It's, you know, whatever. Uh, let's see. They had a drum machine named Gloria. Oh, they, okay. Well, apparently they're... not not called Gloria like this is the Yamaha Gloria. Gloria. They just named they it They had Gloria. one that they named Gloria. Like, Gloria, uh, Gloria. Uh, who was it? Um, uh Oh gosh, who was it? oh Sister Hazel? Like they had a van named Cleavon. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, the these guys had a drum machine named Gloria. Uh, and after hearing an early version of "Send Me an Angel," the group's manager Glenn Wheatley was so impressed that he formed his own label, Wheatley Records, to release it as a single in early '83. The band then signed to Curb for worldwide distribution. So smart move on the part of the manager. Absolutely. To go wow. And and cool of cool of him, I assume. I don't know if things went well we or not after the, all that. We don't know how it went from them to curb. Right. But. but he saw dollar signs for everybody and made the leap and said, I believe in this song. I'm gonna be the label that that puts it out. So um and then they signed to curb and, and got it worldwide. And then it came out again six years later and everybody Boom. loved it again. They're like, I love oh, that, song. that song. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Uh let's see, what else we got? I got a little section here on the power glove, just a few uh, Yeah, talk about it. Facts on the power glove. The Power Glove was originally released in 1989. Um, though it was an officially licensed product, Nintendo was not involved in the design or the release. Oh, I didn't know that. So I didn't either until... Man, until it sucked. Did you ever use one? I used one once in my life. It's terrible. It's the hardest thing ever. That's, I hated it. It, it totally bombed. Uh -huh. But this movie made it look so cool. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And it was like... It was one of those things that like... 
your rich buddy had uh, one. Exactly. And yep. that was it. Yep. So there's a the scene in it where he goes, the character Lucas, who's like the he's yeah. like, I love the power glove. It's, it's so bad. So bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was uh did you see the movie that came out last year on Netflix? With called Dookie Hauser in it? Yes. yes. So good. And they just talk about like it was terrible. It was terrible. Like, the whole Man, thing. I love that movie. Impossible to to uh, you know hit the buttons and the movements didn't work right. Yeah. And they only really made two Power Glove specific games. The rest of it, you just had to use the buttons on your arms as a controller. Yeah. But they made like just a couple of games Racing that were supposed game. to use the 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 motions of the glove. Mm-hmm. It was kind of revolutionary in that stuff that we're doing with like VR technology now. This was the first glimpse and of... and like the Wii. It was kind of you yeah, could call the, it like yes. a, pre- a precursor to that. Yeah, maybe? exactly. That sort of motion activated you know effect on the game. You remember the power pad that yeah, the power pad was, was awesome bone. with world-class track mate did yes. you ever and then you, the way you beat it is instead of running you know just what you do you get down on your hands, hands and yes. just hit it real fast I hate it when people yeah. did that yeah um yeah that was great dude the power the power pad now that was that was fun that yeah. was yeah and that do you remember the wii equivalent the um the board like the uh-uh. wii what was it called the wii fit board okay there was a um the it was called the wii fit and there was a like game went with it you know what i mean but it would do everything from like track your weight to like you could do stuff on it, but they would have like Olympic games yeah. that would be like, okay, you would run, 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 and, and then jump, and then get up on the balls of your feet like you were jumping for like a ski jump. Okay, and so you would like get down, shift your weight, and then oh. boom, up on your feet. And it, dude, it, that was cool as heck. Like that, and the way you did the, if you really wanted to real jump in that, you just jumped off the pad and then jumped oh, back right. off. <laughs> like holy cow, you've been in the air forever. <laughs> That's so funny. The first thing that we look for is like, how can how I to cheat beat this? It. That's right. you know? <laughs> like, I don't want to win this Rob, the proper way. Rob's like, I'm going to beat Montana and Rice. I'm going to tell you how <laughs> to win. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah, we play to win run here. Uh, let's see. <laughs> On uh, in July of 2019, uh, a speed runner, like somebody that tries to beat games as fast as possible and they'll stream them on twitch youtube that kind of thing um speedrunner grand pooh bear became the first and only person known to have completed super mario brothers 3 using only the power glove oh it wow took okay. him two basically two and a half hours two minute two hours 29 minutes 43 seconds okay did it only with the power glove um have you seen Ash versus Evil Dead? Uh-uh. Okay, uh, you know what it is though. It's like I don't. okay, really. Uh-uh. So the Evil Dead movies, um, Sam Raimi directed them. They starred Bruce Campbell. Okay, um, and Evil Dead Two especially is like classic, like okay. horror f- comedy classic. Okay, is it like um, Walking Dead stuff? Is it zombie stuff? It's it, yeah, it's zombie, it's zombie type stuff. Yeah, okay. but it's also like I don't know. There's like uh, there's like a book of the damned, uh, and it's like you know just. Weird stuff. Whack, right? Yeah, whack stuff, but f- cheeky and funny, okay. you know? Um, anyway, Ash is the main character, and his prosthetic hand in Ash vs. Evil Dead is built from a repurposed power glove. Okay. So That's next cool. time you guys watch Ash vs. Evil Dead, you can check that out. Um, and then my last note was about, yeah, 8-Bit Christmas, okay. um, which was which I, I really enjoyed. I thought that was cool. That's good. Well, I've got to stump the genius, but before you guys shout out what game we should play, on the count of three, yell it out. One, two, three. Okay, we heard you. We're going to go play. <laughs> All right, guys, we know y'all are all dying to know which game we played because yep. we heard you, and yeah. we heard you say RBI Baseball. That's right. The majority of you said RBI Baseball. So that's what we went with, yeah. um, and we just called it a tie. We played one inning. Rob actually got more runners on base, so I guess technically he would get the win. 
Um, but uh, congratulations. Thank we'll you. give him the, the, the more or less victory for now. I think maybe I'm the wizard. I think you are. You're Jimmy. That's awesome. Uh, okay, guys. The stump the, we're going to play Stump the Genius. Um, so I don't know if we played the jingle yet because the back and forth <laughs> of the video games. But we're going to play Stump the Genius video game themes. Oh, wow. So I'm going to play popular video game themes. Okay. And we're going to see how many of these Rob can get. Okay. And these are video game themes only from the Nintendo. All right. So I think you'll do okay. I think you'll you'll know the majority of them. I picked six because that's a good even number. Okay. Just I don't know why I landed on six. Maybe one is an alternate. Uh, but here we go. Try to toss you a softball at the beginning. Here is number one. Of course, this is uh, Super Mario. That is Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. Good. Number two oh, will go funny. here. Tetris. Tetris. Rob yeah. killing the game. Number three. Oh, that's Pac-Man. That is Pac-Man. Rob, three for three. Bring out the bell. Number four. Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt. Number five. That's Punch-Out. That is Punch-Out yeah. against that's Glass Joe. actually in the ring. We're yeah. doing it. And here is number six to bring it on home. It was on the list. Can he clean sweep? Wow. I don't think I know this. That Is, was Contra. That was, that juggle, was Contra? That was Contra. Wow. Thing from Contra. Oh, so. wow. I have no memory of that. That's a, hey, great showing. Yeah. Great job on the video game Stump the Genius wow, Edition. thank you. I just knew you were going to be, you were going to do um, Famous Angels. Oh, Like yeah. either, like... Nolan Ryan, uh-huh. Reggie Jackson. Oh man, I or, or famous people named Angel. Named Angel. You know what oh, I, mean? I should have done something. Angel like that. Hernandez. That's right. <laughs> famous MLB Angels. Oh man, that would have Mike Trout. Mike yeah, Mike Trout. Yeah. Dude, that would have been fun. Tim Salmon. <laughs> All the fish. All the fish. All the Dude, center fielder. We talked angel about fish. how we were gonna put together a baseball outfield of just fish. We got t- Tim right. Salmon, Mike Trout, and Kevin Bass yeah. coming at you. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Okay. Do you have any other notes on song wise? I'm good, man. There's a bunch of covers, mostly like dance covers. This is a, a, you know, revered dance track at this point. Um, Jenny Lewis that plays, uh, the girl in the movie, Haley, she went on to be a, she's a pretty big music person now. Yeah. A couple songs y'all may know out there. What's the band? What's her, um, she's the lead singer of a, of a, of a band, I think. Maybe. Could Um, be right. That sounds right. Can't think. Oh no, she sang with the postal service. She's not the lead singer of them. Okay. She sings with the sang, sings with the postal service. She sings with the postal. You know, service. such great heights. That song. She's probably a lead singer of a band too. Okay, but I know she was in in the postal service. All right, there we go. Um, oh, yeah. Rilo Kylie. She's in oh. Rilo Kylie. All right, all right. Go. So now, what's coming up next is we are about to talk with David Sterry of Real Life. You're gonna like him. We liked him a lot. We had a great Super time chatting fun. with him in sunny Australia, um, and uh, so. Stick around for that. But first, no matter what you're doing right now, I need you to stop, okay? Uh, if you're, I don't know, I don't have a funny one this week. But no matter what you're doing, stop it right now 
And if you're playing you Nintendo, hit, you hit start right now. That's right. Which will hit pause start. the game. That's right. And while you're on the pause menu, go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow at Great Song Pod on all those places. Join our Facebook group, Great Songs, and the great people who love them greatly. And if you want to go the extra mile and support the show, help us produce it, become a Patreon producer by going to patreon.com slash great song pod. That's P A T R E O N dot com slash great song pod. And when you do that, we can say thank you by giving you things like bonus episodes, early release, behind the scenes, Patreon exclusives, anything we can think of to show our appreciation. We'll put it on Patreon for you. So do that if you want to support the show and uh, sincerely, Wherever you're listening from, whyever you're joining us, whenever you is, <laughs> we sincerely thank you for tuning Who, in why, to the Great Song why, Podcast. Why, when, where, how, to what extent. Why ever you which, it uh, <laughs> doesn't matter to us. We just we just are grateful to have you. We're going to talk to David Sterry. We'll be back at the end to tuck you in. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with David Sterry of Real Life. David, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast all the way from Australia. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. I'm very happy to be here. Excellent. And you sound like $1,200. You sound like um, $1,239. It's amazing. <laughs> sound great. Um, okay, let's, let's start here because this is one of, the, one of the really interesting things about Send Me an Angel uh, to me is the, is the different releases, the, the two different releases with different mixes and kind of a different feel. What was the uh, decision to sort of re-release the song with a with a um a, a pretty different feel in 1989 after it had already been something of a breakout hit for you what was the decision behind that process there well it was actually uh, me hearing the remix of uh, blue monday by new order which is one of my all-time favorite songs you know and um you know, a lot of songs were being remixed in the time and there was never a fabulous remix of Send Me an Angel. And uh, I just sort of wondered out loud to my record company thinking, oh, you know, wouldn't it be good if we had a fabulous new mix of Send Me an Angel? And they ran with it. And, uh, you know, it, it just started all over again, which was pretty amazing. But it was just off the th- top of my head, I thought nothing would come of it, but they took it very seriously and went, okay, let's do that. And they were so happy, Curb Records was so happy with the remix by an English guy called Nigel Wright that they said, oh, look, we're going to release this again. It's, you know, it's, because Blue Monday had sort of become a hit again and so they, they thought they could do that with Angel and, and it happened. Do you have a, like if you were wanting to listen to one of your own songs, do you have a version that you prefer over the other? Do you like, if you wanted to hear it, would you go back and listen to the 83 or would you, uh, or would you pop in the 89? Uh, that's really hard to answer, you know. I mean, I don't often hear it. I don't often hear it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick funny story that um, yesterday morning I sleep in bed. I've got my iPad. The first thing I do before I get out of bed is to roll over and see what's the news, what's the weather going to be. Has anyone mailed me or something? And uh, I, got, I got onto Facebook and there's my friend, dear friend, the drummer from uh, Flock of Seagulls is in Cancun, Mexico, this beautiful resort. They're having this thing called 80s in the Sand. And so, you know, I'm half asleep. I mean, Kevin's live on stage and he's, he's videoing some band and uh, they're playing Send Me an Angel. You know, so and here's me in bed with my iPod in the middle of uh, Melbourne, Australia's had the longest lockdown in the world. 
you know, I'm miserable. I'm not happy. And there's this band in this beautiful resort playing my playing song. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's so funny that so, you, you know, that's funny that you mentioned that we re- we just had Space Age Love Song by Flock of Seagulls playing right before yeah. we hit record, and we were talking about uh, movie okay. career opportunities with that. That's so funny. That's crazy timing. Well, I I work with them a lot. Two years ago, I was over in the states on a big Lost Eighties Live tour, and um, I've worked with the Seagulls a lot. Kevin Rankin, the drummer, is a lovely, lovely guy, and he's always videoing things for people. You know, he always includes everybody from around the world in whatever's going on. And uh, we had a lot of fun a couple of years ago. So whenever, if, if anyone's playing Semi and Angel, Kevin's going to be live on Facebook making sure that I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, you mentioned like 80s synth. So or you mentioned some some 80s stuff that you do. I want to talk about, I had it way later, but since you mentioned it, the Send Me an Angel 80s synth essentials. I, I love it so much um, with Sweet Dreams, oh, your remix you. of that, and Cars, and Fade to Grey. I completely forgot that about that fade to gray song at, uh, by Visage, and until I heard you do it, and it's one of those cases that now that I've heard yours so much, the original sounds like a cover to me. If that makes sense, <laughs> like obviously the oh, the, no. ta- the tainted love, Ooh. you know, the soft sell song and shout, those are you doing a cover of their song. <laughs> but I've listened to your version of fade to gray so much that the visit sounds like a cover to me if that makes any kind of sense oh, great stuff yeah. i mean that's I, I appreciate what you're saying but that's sacrilege no <laughs> no it's great i mean yeah but uh, that's interesting that album um uh, i got a an, an email from the head of um cleopatra records and um that was said said david we want you to make a cover album you, you know do send me an angel and do some of your favorite other songs. And um, I thought, no, I can't do that. You know, I've never, you know, produced anything before myself. And, you know, home studio recording was kind of reasonably still new at that stage. But but a part of me went, no, yeah, we'll do it. Um, and so <laughs> I was learning. I did it on a program called Logic. That's and, what Rob uses. Um, Rob uses so, Logic. So. Yeah, it's fabulous, it's a fabulous program. But I was one step ahead recording, so I was learning how to use it while recording at the same time. So if I wanted to learn how to um, do a vocal, I had to go into this uh, tutorial thing that I'd bought. And um, so I was thinking, oh, they're gonna, I'm going to be discovered. They're going to find out that I'm a fake, that I can't record, that I can't <laughs> do this and can't do that. But I, but I learned how to make records off making that record, you know, and it, and it came out quite good. And, 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 and I've made some money out of it and people always say how much they like it. So it was all good in the end. Yeah, That's good it. good on you. Um, we, we mentioned that we're going to talk a lot about Send Me an Angel is probably the one we're going to focus on. But yep. uh, So in the original music video, uh, after the Beast character yep. enters on horseback, you're shown singing into a Sure SM57. Is that your mic of choice Is that at that time, or was that predominantly just for video quality and ease of, of holdability? I know Steven Tyler preferred a 57 there for a while. Is that your mic of choice in the, in the early, early to mid-'80s? Well, yeah, it's pretty much the, the main stage uh, mic of choice. That pretty much everyone in Australia was always hand, handed a 57. But one of our sound guys once said, no, you're more of a 58. And I don't know what the difference was, but um, I've got one sitting around somewhere actually that I use for recording my guitars actually. Um, but, yeah, it was always a 57, yeah, back in the day. 
for well, a lot of anyway. Yeah, some great close-ups in that. You have uh, great teeth. Have you always had stellar <laughs> dental hygiene? Your teeth are fantastic in that video. You know, so many people, I, I don't think I've got great teeth, but so many people have told me that, hey, I was in an airport the other day and I looked up and, and they're playing music videos and there were your teeth. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. In fact, one of my, one of my childhood friends' um, dad used to call me whale's teeth, you know. Whale's <laughs> teeth. All righty. Yeah, that was he, he nicknamed me. Here comes Wales teeth, you know. Right. <laughs> so, That's really interesting. Well, mm. well, as you can tell, we're mm. we're gear people. I'm I'm a gear nut. I love it. Can you confirm? Are those uh, Simmons SDSV Toms on that? They sound great. I don't know if you're a if how much of the gear you uh, are aficionado. And then I guess uh, that's a Roland Jupiter Six synth, right? Nope. Okay, oh, I am a gearhead. Okay. Thank okay. you. So yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, the the uh, the drums were the Rollins, yes, um, and we pretty much got them to record the song. A lot of people were very uh, angry at us. Going, a lot of music industry people going, "Oh, don't do that! Don't use that! It's like this. It's going to sound so bad in a year or so. It's going to sound. Everyone's going to hate it." But we loved them, and we got them, and we got the we got the full kit. And of course, when Angel came out, we we sort of added added the Simmons drums to the rest of our set. Um, but they were the first uh, lot of Simmons, and they had very hard shells, very hard mm-hmm. uh, uh, heads on them, not shells, heads. And all the drummers that we were using were getting uh, uh, hair hair fractures in their wrists. You know, they were hitting so hard. So <clears throat> Simmons finally put some plastic, some rubber coatings on them to stop the to make it still feel okay, but stop the, the wrist fractures. Uh, and the synth, no, it was a Jupiter Eight. It's uh, okay. the the all pretty much everything on the famous real life songs of Jupiter Eights. And in fact, speaking of gear, I have the baby Jupiter Eight. Oh, oh, look at that! There lovely. we go. Y'all can't. Uh, we're only that's audio, the ro- so they can't rolling. see what you're holding it's, up. I, I know, I know, <laughs> but that's fantastic. That I've got, sad. I've got the whole series. I've got the Juno Six, the Jupiter Eight. Um, the, the JX3P and the SH101 because we had all of those back in the day. So I've got the mini versions that sound fantastic. That's awesome. That's excellent. Mm. Um, who? Mm. So who were, as you were crafting the, the sound and the style of real life, who were you listening to? Um, not that you were trying to imitate anybody, just who was inspirational to you as you're, as you're you know, crafting your own thing as a band? I guess the biggest record at the time was the one that just everybody was in love with was Dare by Human League. You know, that was the 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 biggest thing about the new wave sound with the synthesizers. And of course you mentioned um uh, Fade to Grey before with Visage. Uh um uh Ultravox. Oh, of dude, course, yeah. in the mid you know, um so it was all yeah, definitely those things. Um Ultravox, Human League, um XTC. Um, but yeah, more uh, a bank or magazine actually were very influential as well. So, as an Australian band in the early '80s, how hard was it to get exposure, say, in the United States or even in the UK? It's uh, not it's not the same well, now, where you can just send somebody an MP3. You know, what's the process of of getting your stuff to labels and distributors over over here this far away? Yeah, well, back in the day, it was really hard because it was very. You know, selling rock and roll to America or even to England 
was like selling ice to Eskimos, you know, from, <laughs> from Australia. You know, because we, I guess we were the good thing was we were we grew up on radio from both um, both continents, you know, from England and from because we we're a part of the Commonwealth of England. Sure. Uh, but we heard all the American stuff, so we we sort of went into a blender in Australia to, to try to develop our own style. I mean, Australia was already already um, very rock based. Uh, with bands like ACDC being so uncompromising back in the 70s. They were going to be rock and roll and that is that. And, boy, did they do such a good job of that. Uh, So for uh, by the early 80s, there had been very few Australian uh, artists had made it. There was Little River Band who were, you know, sort of more like the Eagles or something. They weren't anything about new music. Uh, Men at Work uh, kind of were a Melbourne band that broke over there huge, which was pretty amazing. And... um, in our case, it was actually an accident. There was a uh, the famous K-Rock in LA, uh, a radio programmer from K-Rock was actually in Australia because an Australian radio station wanted to sound more like K-Rock because K-Rock was fantastic. Uh, so a guy called Rick Carroll came out uh, to Australia, to Sydney, and uh, at the time Send Me an Angel was, you know, you know, doing very well on the charts that had just come out. And Rick Carroll loved it and he said, well, I'm taking this back to America. So it had nothing to do with our management, our record company. This one guy loved the song, took it to K-Rock and started flogging it before we even had a record contract. Wow. So that was like pure, pure accident, happy accident for us. But then um, the Australian band started to become more confident. It's, it goes across the arts in Australia, whether it's um, literature, filmmaking, music or art. Uh, we had a, what we call a cultural cringe that we didn't think we were as good as anything that was English or American, um, and it took us a long time to get over that. You know, our movies started coming out. Mad Max um, started taking up, taking on the world, uh, and and more and more music came out of Australia. So people started to think, okay, if it comes out of Australia, it's probably going to be really good, and <laughs> and don't worry about it. Stop the cultural cringe. Stop feeling so inferior. Just do what you do, and it, 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 we know it's good and it'll be accepted. I love that. You it took talk, a long time. You want to talk about how uh, Richard placed the ad and looking for the guitar player and how the friendship was born, kind of how real life got started? Or I guess I should say uh, yeah. the, the, we all the wires then, right? Is that how it how it's Yeah, started? we were the wires. Yeah, well, you've done your research. That's nice. Oh, dude. <laughs> um, so we love this stuff. Yeah, it was um, – one, early one Saturday morning, I'd been up all night doing something. I don't know what I'd been doing. It certainly wasn't partying. But uh, <laughs> a, a, young, a young friend of mine was, you know, banging loudly on my door and there was a paper called The Age newspaper that was um, all, had a music column in it, you know, for, you know, bands wanted things. And this guy, Nicky, he's banging on my door and he said, David, David, there's this ad in the paper, a keyboard player is looking for a guitar player to form a band with. You have to ring this number. You have to ring this number. He was so adamant about it. <laughs> and um, I thought, oh, yeah, okay, Nick. And I went back to bed and got up and, and kind of rang the number and had a brief conversation with Richard somewhere. And then Richard had gone, uh, was leaving his house after the phone call, but he wrote a note on his uh, fridge for his flatmate to say, I've found the guitar player. So from one conversation, Richard seemed to think that I was the person that was, you know, going to be the, the right one for the band. So, you know, we got together and we were uh, not going to form a band. We were just going to try to write songs. He had a synthesizer. I had a guitar. And um, uh, eventually we decided, uh, 
it's pretty exciting going out and seeing all those bands. We've got some songs now. Why don't we do it as well? So we, we found a bass player and we went out with a drum machine. Hey, that's awesome. Huh. That's so cool. That's mm. great. So there's parts of these where we just kind of gush over things uh, that we love about the artists sure. that we're hanging out with. So hang tight, and I'm just going to kind of rapid fire a few things that I really like. Um, not just off of sure. Heartland. I love the Heartland album. Um, Catch Me If I'm Falling is the, sing- the other single. In the video, y'all are in all white. Quick question I'll tie in. What kind of guitar are you playing there? It's like the V-shaped one. I don't know what that is. That's a great-looking guitar uh, for that video, but I don't know what kind of guitar that is. Yeah, that, actually, that was actually a Roland synthesizer guitar. Okay. Oh. All right. Well, that's, that's cool. That was the first time it was used. It was supposed to be um, – it, it was hooked up to – there was a floor pedal thing that was actually a JX3P sound module. Okay. So you basically were playing a JX3P from this, you know, crazy-looking guitar. Mm-hmm. But the latency was so terrible. You know, you'd play the note and you could go and get a cup of coffee and, <laughs> and uh, the note – the note would finally sound, <laughs> and it was it was crap. It was horrible. It was never it was in the video, but it was not on anything. Okay. And I walked into I walked into a music shop in LA one day, and the sales guy comes up to me and goes, "You're the guy from Real Life." And I went, "Yeah, yeah, I am. Wow, I've been just been recognised." <laughs> he goes, "You, he goes, you bastard! I bought that guitar <laughs> that you used in that video clip." <laughs> And it's crap. That's awesome. And I went, yeah. I went, yeah, I know. I never used it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love that story so much. Because, yeah, in Open Hearted, which sounds like, to me, Send Me an Angel Part 2, or it sounds like it could be part of the same band at least, like it's very similar. Yeah. You're playing a gorgeous blue Strat, and I was like, uh, I was like, that's the guitar I hear, but you're playing that. that <laughs> that's why it was confusing to me. So that was uh, – mm. Yeah, like, it, it was the – it is the blue strat on the record. Oh, it's it was, great. It was a model called. It was a model called the strat, and it had a blue headstock as well. Yeah, but that is the guitar that was gorgeous. on the record. I love that thing. Um, and I, I was funny story. So that song is in apparently Voyage of the Rock Aliens with P as an. You know that movie Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Yeah. So I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know that movie, but I'm playing this song, and this guy's like, "Oh yeah, that's from Voyage of the Rock Aliens." In my office, I was like, "What is that? I didn't even know that was a movie." <laughs> So, uh, so you. Oh yeah, it's Pia, Pia Zadora. Pia Zadora. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. But w- when you when you're quoting these movies, they're all pretty, mostly pretty bad movies. And I've, honestly, I've got to say, I've never seen any of them. So, what? You know, okay, so you it, haven't seen it, it, The Wizard or Rad because those are like. No, any- I haven't seen The Wizard. I've seen the scene from Rad, and I kind of on the bicycle? cringe a little bit. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I go, oh god. But there was also um, uh, Teen Wolf Two. Yeah, Teen Wolf Two. Oh, and uh, yeah. and I happened with, to uh, be Jason Bateman, that's not right. uh, Michael yeah. J. Fox, right? That's right. And I happened to be living in in Hollywood at the time, and the record company guys rang up and went, "No, oh, David, David, there's a big premiere on tonight on Hollywood Boulevard. There's a movie, <laughs> your songs in it." And I'm, you know, a little boy guy from Australia. You know, I'm going, uh, "Wow, fabulous." So I invited a beautiful girl and I said, hey, we're, I didn't tell her why. I said, we're going to see a movie tonight on Hollywood Boulevard at some famous theatre and we walked down the red carpet and, and uh, the movie started and I thought, oh, God, this is not so great, is it? You know? <laughs> and um, and, and, I was, and the, the girl wasn't that impressed either and all of a sudden there's this vicious fight scene and Sammy and Angel comes on and I just went, oh, no, and I just I sank down. Sank down in my seat. I'd completely forgotten that that was coming up. 
that's awesome. It's not well, as though, yeah. That's, yeah. that's great. Well, other things like that went from there. Your second album, Flame, you went with a different producer. You went with uh, Peter Henderson, completely different than yep. the than the Steve Hillage and Ross Cockle sound. Um, with face to face as the lead single, I love the isolated guitar part about minute two twenty nine. But one blind love is my yep. favorite track on this album. So good stuff. I've oh, also listened you. to Lifetime, listened through that, and the Happy Album Four and Imperfection Five. I listened like it's good stuff, man. So I would tell all our listeners out there if you get a chance, if you're going to pick up a second one, I would pick up Flame um, after Heartland. That would be the one that I would suggest. Um, but those are those are some of my faves. What about? <sighs> What about Sirens? Sirens. Okay, that's the newest one. Yeah, so I don't I haven't had it that's the newest one. I haven't had a chance to listen all the yeah. way through it yet. So I will let you t- if it's, I'm gonna pick up one track, where should I start? Uh My Beautiful Monster. Okay. There you go. And tying in with Team It's Wolf actually too. it's a go. it's a uh well it's I'm calling it a progtronic album. Okay. okay. That's so it's actually I've got CDs, but it's also on vinyl. I wanted to make an old fashioned record where there's a bit of a concept. So side one is basically, well, it's, there's five parts, but it's sort of, it's a, a, a storyline about the sirens, you know, the sirens sing you, crash your boat, you die, etc. <laughs> so I wanted to do something that was, um, you know, a bit concepty. So, yes, yeah, sirens goes to one side, then there's five tracks. It's kind of like low by David Bowie okay. or um, something. Was, you know, so I thought, ah, uh, you know, no one buys records anymore, so I'll make one and I'll do whatever I feel like. <laughs> Dude, it's, we it's are fa- album guys. We are listening through. Um, we will take it from track one to track 42 or however many you have on there. We, well, anybody you know, who's listened to our show for any amount of time has heard us lament the the loss of album culture. So we are all about, uh, especially concept records, all that. We love it. Well, there's, there's, I, it's got the double fold cover. There's all the lyrics. There's, um, there's funny things on the back. There's uh, interesting. There's lots of jokes on here because I can. And there's lots of <laughs> lie. There's lots of little lies and things. And it's a, it should be a great read. You know, there's a whole lot of. It's based on you know, the legend of the sirens. But I'm having a big tongue in cheek laugh uh, throughout all of this. So, <laughs> great. Um, it, we're trying to find the actual cover. It's it's all over Spotify and everything. So. Yeah, great. Um, speaking of covers, actually, uh, who has done your favorite cover of "Send Me an Angel" of all the of all the bands or all the you know whether it's whether it's online or even somebody you've heard live or like <laughs> like flock the one of seagulls. They, yeah, that's <laughs> flock of seagulls is yeah. sending you stuff yeah. from resorts around the world. Uh, who's who's done your favorite cover of "Send Me an Angel"? Um, oh, that's a hard because there's so many. I mean, they're really, really awesome. I mean, um, I, there was one, okay, there's a dance one that, you know, was a club hit. It was Star City versus Real Life. It was a, a German one where they changed it from a minor key to a major key. Oh. And it just, it worked. It was my vocal on it. It was a, not the original vocal, my vocal. And just had this sort of um, early 2000 uh, kind of club feel about it that, that I actually just love for some reason. I thought, oh, this is so beautiful. It really is. Other versions, I mean, there's death metal versions, there's rockabilly versions. <laughs> um, uh, but there was a, a TV show in Australia called Underbelly uh, and Underbelly Razor. And it's about um, Sydney in the great, during the years of the Great Depression, just after the First World War where a lot of uh, men who'd been in the First World War came back and they had no jobs 
Um, they turned to crime. The Sydney Harbour Bridge was just being built and there were two women, one who ran a, uh, a, a brothel and the other one who ran a bar. Both were illegal. They were both arch enemies. And it's, uh, this is actually a true story. It's all you know, based on actual facts. It's an amazing story. But at the, at the very end of it, there's a, a singer um, singing a 1930s version of Semi and Angel in a Nightclub, and it's just beautiful. Oh, wow. It's like all the, all the songs throughout the soundtrack of this movie that's set in the late 20s, early 30s are from the 80s, and the very uh, last song in the show is this in the the lady who ran the uh, bar, there's a, a broken down singer singing, starting to sing Semi and Angel. Then it flashes to this modern club who her rival was running uh, and is singing a beautiful, you know, like Cab Calloway version of Semi and Angel. Oh, that's fantastic. very cool. You triggered something in there that, that, comp- that I was not planned to talk about, but it triggered something. So that took me back to, I was trying to think of the first time I actually saw like you guys playing something, doing your first, long story short, let me get through this. I've kind of mumbled <laughs> all over myself. So I discovered you through the wizard movie from 89. I've talked about right. it. It's the Fred Savage movie, whatnot. It's not one that you've seen or super proud of, but I love the movie. So then I looked you guys up on like some old VHS tapes. I found one of American Bandstand from 84 <laughs> and you're on there with, and I, I completely forgot I had this. I have, I just picked up a box of American Bandstand cards. So I've got a Dick Clark card in here. I was hoping to, I need to look through this uh. and see if I've got a real life card. That would be amazing because you had the uh. best mullet of 84 that was like, you <laughs> Thank got you. mullet of the year that year and you're playing Thank that you. gorgeous sunburst strat. I still remember that strat. As, and I know I'm a gear nut and have talked a lot about it, but that that triggered something that I completely forgot. I had this box here when you <laughs> said that. So eighty four, talk about eighty four American bands. Sorry, that, the, speaking of that sunburst strat, it's now black and in pieces. What? I'm that's, wow. that's the guitar. That's, that's the one. Oh my god! But goodness. it's now I I had a Floyd Ro- I had it painted black, and then I had a Floyd Rose put on it, and I'm sick to death of Floyd Roses. Uh huh. And uh, so I'm kind of ripping it apart. And I'm waiting on pieces, but the postage is really slow at the moment with COVID. But that's the guitar. That doesn't even wow. look like the same guitar. Like it's so completely different now. It is. That's well, awesome. it's it's a it's very very old now. It's it's because uh, I I bought it. You know uh, that time we're on Dick Clark. I just bought it over there. We're, we'd been over there for months and months. We we're on the rhythmic tour tour with Berlin. And um, Dude, that's so cool. You know, so, but that's the guitar. That's crazy. That's that came one. full circle. After nice we're moment. done, after we hang up, I'm going to look through and see if I have a real life American bandstand card in here. <laughs> that would be amazing. Be one thing that we ask everybody, and then we'll let you enjoy your time. You've been great, David. Thank yeah. you so much. Hope you've had fun. So, you're, you're on tour either by yourself with real life, whoever. You're on tour um, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of that, I'll tell you mine. I get a Three Musketeers bar. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and that's the most ounces. So I would get a Three Musketeers bar. What is your gas station snack food of choice? Well, I was so disappointed doing a big tour of America in, in 2019 that they don't make the little – I hate Starbucks, but they have a little can of espresso, a little black can of Starbucks espresso. You can't get it anymore. Oh. So I was really 
disappointed, you know. I mean, I only went to America to get that Starbucks. They don't have it. It's they don't have it at Starbucks in Australia. And I've looked all over the world for that. I love it. I hate Starbucks, but I love that little can of their coffee. They didn't have it. So other than that, I'm probably going to get, probably get a bag of chips or something. Okay. Um, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, not, not chocolate. Well, yeah. I have a mission now. Um, I worked at Starbucks for four months a long, long time ago. <laughs> so I'm going to call my one connection and say, hey, I got a buddy in Australia that needs some of these. I'll trade it for a siren CD autographed, made out to JP, and we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah been- please, please do. Please do. <laughs> Dave, this has been fun, man. You're, you're a rock star. It's been great. Um, anything you want to tell the people yeah, um, any, anything uh upcoming other than sirens is there anything on the horizon uh, that you want to uh talk about i know you're still still stuck in melbourne for a while you know i'm one of those people that's gonna uh two or till i drop you know because this is all i do this has been my life story i never imagined that you know 40 years later i'd still be doing the same thing so i'm very privileged that that i can go you know practically anywhere in the world and people are happy to see me which is very nice um, so I'm just going to uh, keep plugging away, um, you know, making music, playing live shows. The, my passion is to play live. I mean, that's the, okay. the thing that I love most out of anything is playing live. So doing anything I can to play live as much as I can until I drop off that perch. Well, if you're uh, <laughs> ever around the Nashville, Tennessee area, which is where we are, we will make sure to come check out I- your show. I have a very dear friend uh, in Nashville. That's uh, Rick Olson from Berlin, who was the original guitar player yeah. from Berlin. He used to work at. Uh, he worked at. He's always. We call him our fifth Beatle because uh, <laughs> whenever we're around, he gets on the stage, takes my guitar, and plays everything the way I should have played it. <laughs> well, we'll, but, uh, uh, we'll, but we'll have you connect us he, with him over here. We'll get. Yeah, we'll get he, used to, he used to. He used to work at um, Gibson Guitars, but I think he's involved with the Glen Campbell Museum now or something. Okay, oh, cool. I mean, he actually. We we actually played. We actually played the what's the the Gibson Cafe there yeah. in nineteen ninety eight, and Rick Rick had organised that for us. So we were over there. We stayed in Nashville for a few days. Went to his place for a party. He's got a lovely family, lovely guy. And uh, now I think he's perhaps the because the the Glen Campbell Museum's only opened in the last couple of years, I think, hasn't it? So yeah, I think he's there. But anyway, yeah, yeah I love Nashville. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah no well, thanks so much, man. It's this been has a been delightful great. chat. And thanks yeah. for uh, yeah, welcome, us, Yeah. Thanks for hanging out. We'll do it again. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's great being a, having a sh- uh, Melbourne morning and talking to a couple of guys in Nashville. We <laughs> couldn't have made the day a little day better. Thanks, guys. Well, Take care. Hope you had fun, man. Talk to you soon. See ya. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was David Starry. That was David Starry. Of real life. Oh, man, so much fun. And we know you guys were dying to know which game we played. Yes. To come back in. So we chose Mike Tyson's punch out. Yes. Whoever could knock out Glass Joe the fastest. And I finally won something. I <laughs> did. Uh, to get back there. Karate Kid me, and Mike Tyson. I guess fighting games. Took me two rounds to knock out Glass Joe. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Come on. Right. Almost took me three, right? Two, 209. 209 in the second. Man, on, you did it 252 in the first. Something like that, yeah. So Crazy. Good stuff. Far- Little Mac came to play. Yeah, that's right. I love. Even the, um, did you ever play the Super Nintendo version, Super uh-uh. Punch-Out? It's no. just as good. Yeah. It's equally fun. They kept the same feel. It just has this feel that feels like no other game I've ever played, Punch-Out. Yeah. It's like the... The timing of it is just perfect and right. Uh, it's magical. Well, for those of you guys that just joined us on this episode, we're not normally as video game heavy. Yeah. <laughs> we are a music podcast where we discuss music. 
Hopefully you got some nuggets of musical goodness that you enjoyed. Although this was fun. This I got to say, fun. the great idea on the on the break gaming. We might have to take advantage of that more often. Um, yeah. I was, I'm trying to think this whole time if there are other movies centered around video games. Video games. I guess you know? we could Google it. You, yeah, it. but pff, what's, what's the fun, fun in that? What's the fun of here. having the whole universe in front of you? Uh, <laughs> Y'all you know. let us know if we've missed a really good video game. Oh, Ready Player One? Okay, sure. That one's yeah, my wife loves that yeah, movie. Recent, yeah, um, I was true. It's true. I was trying to think about like older games, but yeah, I that's don't know totally. any other. Is there any other like I'm sure there arcade are like Tron, games? Tron, right? Yeah, that's Pro. video. They made a video game out of it, but it's yeah. not a video game in the movie, is it? I don't. It's a thing. It's like a sci-fi maybe thing. I don't know. Interesting. Let us know what's your favorite video game movie if we haven't mentioned it. What's the worst video game? I think we'd said what Journey or E.T. Oh, from e- Atari. E.T. Yeah, e. from Atari. Atari. E.T. from Atari. Yes, notably awful. Um, there's others. I super hate. Have you seen but- Stone Cold E.T.? Yes. Dude, I just saw it this so week again. So funny. So That's funny. Really- that guy. That Stone awesome. Cold E.T. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to do that. On my way home, I'm going to just stop and see if I can. I mean, I don't have any T mask. I, <laughs> I'm just going to do the voice. I'm just going to, with my face, but say I'm Stone Cold ET. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think um, um, the original Ninja Turtles game for NES, not uh-huh. the one that was like the arcade game, mm-hmm. but the one that was like an overhead view. And you went down in the sewers. I mean, uh-huh. it's probably all of them, but like, it was awful. Man. Oh, it was so bad. Uh, that was atrocious. That's probably my least favorite regular Nintendo game. Um, although Goonies 2 was really bad, too. I don't remember that, was, that one. It was supposed to be like a, a sequel to the Goonies movie, but set in a video game. Okay. And it was tr- it was trash, dude. <laughs> trash. Couldn't save it. It needed... There was no swearing in it. The kids didn't curse. What good is that? <laughs> no truffle shuffle. Yeah, no truffle shuffle at all. No, there was no <laughs> truffles being shuffled. So what am I supposed to do with that? All right. Kids, movie month continues next week. Movie month concludes next week. Right? Wah, wah, wah. There, we realize there's five weeks in March. We we know math. But we got other oh, stuff to do. But we've got something special the very last week of March. Yeah, we do. And uh, and it's a, it's good. So, so you guys are going to love the way we conclude movie month. Absolutely. Special guest coming back in, friend, family of the show. Yes. Uh, so just hang around. You guys are going to like it. That's right. We'll see you all next week with another great song. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.